Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up hilarious conversations about this week, it's spiritual growth, which is always one of my favorite topics. Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited that you're here. And I'm excited that today I'm talking with Zhuzhi Evans, who is a human design reader. And she is amazing. She studied with someone that studied directly with Ra Uruhu, who is the channeler of human design. And we get into all kinds of fascinating topics about human design. So we're not necessarily going into profiles and kind of defining what it is, but rather we're talking big picture. We're talking about human design is a tool to use for both self-trust as well as making our own decisions and then trusting our decisions. And we talk about the future of human design, which I think is fascinating because in the year 2027, the human design charts will actually literally change. So we're going into a shift as a world, as a community, as a society. And I'm like, pumped and obviously scared for that. <laughs> so she talks about what the changes. So super fun conversation. She's hilarious. I always, always, always walk away with kind of new ideas on how to use human design whenever I talk to Zhuzhi. So stick around. Before we get to the episode, I always have my weekly check-in. So this week, I've got two things. One, I just came off of hosting a Magnetic AF workshop that is in the membership group for the Lit AF community. And this workshop was about Manifestation 101. And I am just like, I am riding a high from that workshop because we finished the workshop by everyone completing their manifestation list. And it was just so cool to hear what everyone wants to manifest. And I myself wrote on my manifestation list that I am practicing a really exciting budgeting habit where I'm saving, saving for my retirement, saving just for savings, my rainy day fund, my fuck you fund, my bridge fund, all of that. And then I'm also tracking my spending and I am excited to literally do this not only every single day, but every single week. And I have so much money coming in that I get to go on amazing trips to meet my friends all over the world. And I have finally applied for the Grand Canyon Raft River Rafting Lottery. And I can't wait to go on that rafting trip that I've always wanted to go on. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like, I am so excited. And just hearing everyone else speak about their manifestations in the present tense and defining them and talking about the emotion that they feel having them was so powerful. And then everyone left committing to how they were going to review their manifestation list every single day or their affirmations around their manifestation list every single day. Something that one workshop participant suggested was actually recording your manifestation list, the I have, what in the present tense, whatever that manifestation list is, and listening to that in the morning when you wake up and in the evening before you go to bed. And I just love that idea. I don't think I've practiced that. I've done, you know, uh, hypnotic meditations. I've done literally planning out my day and trying to define define what I want to do that day. I've done reading the list. I've done saying the list out loud, but I can't wait to just listen to the list in my own voice and see how that feels. So I'm so excited. And 
I just want to remind everyone, this is where I'm currently at with my own personal manifestation practice. Anything is possible. Anything that you want, anything that you can dream of is absolutely possible. Isn't that just so freeing? There are times in my life that I haven't been able to believe that. There are definitely moments in my life where I haven't believed that. I've been so anti that statement. But currently, I've just seen enough times this practice working to actually have the thing that I want. But I will say, there are some things on my list that I've realized that I just didn't really want. And like, Maybe I was manifesting those things or wanting to manifest those things for vanity or for external validation. Like those things are, it's like so important to realize why you want a certain thing because so many times I've been like, well, I want to manifest a certain number of listeners for this podcast because that means that I will finally be worthy of being a host for this podcast. Like I'm smacking my forehead right now. Like, no, I'm worthy right now. I'm doing this right now. It's already happening. Those numbers don't change anything about me. Those numbers are external validation that are sometimes helpful to like believe in myself. But if I don't believe that, then you're never going to believe that. So, you know, we're all projecting. (laughs) We're all co-creating. I believe in my own oneness, all the things. So it's really exciting to be in this place, I think, with my manifestation practice because I truly do believe that anything is possible. And if you are listening right now and you don't believe that, or if it might be triggering to hear that, I just want to be your vision holder for you right now. I want to be able to hold that vision for you even when you can't see it because it is totally possible. It is 100% possible. You guys, today is International Podcast Day. That's the day that I'm recording this. I have 60 episodes on this podcast. Like having a podcast was a, a dream of mine. And here I am 60 episodes later. How cool is that? Anything is possible. Anything. Might just not look the way you thought it was going to. <laughs> That's probably the secret to life. Yeah. I love that. Um, Okay. So for announcements, I just want to share about the tip jar for Lit AF. Could really use your financial support for the show. If you're loving it, please consider making a donation. You can do a one-off donation. You can do a recurring membership through our Patreon. We got all kinds of fun things on the Patreon, including monthly self-care and personal development tools. The month of September, which just ended, is a lovely shadow work exercise from the amazing shadow work coach, Rachel Besser. She has helped me so like so much. I can't even describe. I can't describe. I, I'm going to describe it. She has helped me accept parts of myself that I could never imagine even accepting just amazing. My shadow words were dumb and stupid and incompetent. And I have really done so much work to start to integrate those parts and accept those parts of me. It's truly incredible. So this exercise is amazing and it's there for you if you're interested in signing up. So if you're interested in signing up for either one of those things, head over to the website to sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. And thank you so much.
All right, now it's time for the episode. Let's get to it. Welcome to Lit AF, Gigi Evans. I am so excited to have you here. So excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be an amazing conversation. I mean, I love this topic. It's my favorite. <laughs> okay, so let me introduce Gigi so everyone knows her area of expertise. Gigi Evans has dedicated the last few years to studying at the right hand of one of the only students directly taught by Ra Uruhu. She is a human design coach, workshop leader, and co-creator of the online HD community, Genetic Yoga. She works with individuals, partners, and families to bring harmony through communication and self-acceptance. Oh, that's my jam. Her passion in life is guiding people to discover their true potential through human design and helping them integrate the system into their everyday life. This is, I'm so excited. I love human design. I love your work. I love your take on human design. I'm just so excited to have you here. So excited to be here. And I love how excited you are about human design. <laughs> My favorite topic, obviously. Of course. I hope it would be. <laughs> and you've taught me just so much about my own chart. It's going to be a good conversation. Okay. So first question. Talk to us. I think this is one of the biggest things that like one of the biggest gifts that human design brings is trust in yourself. So talk to us about using human design to learn how to trust yourself. Well, let me start by saying that self-trust is like the first step in self-love, which is like the ultimate goal, I suppose. And we get a lot of messaging out there in the world about loving yourself. And this is kind of the how. That's what I love so much about this system. It's what I loved about it from the very, very beginning. Because the first session, the first reading, your first introduction to yourself is like this huge aha moment, this coconut on the head, if you will. <laughs> the, the permission given when all of these different things are explained about yourself. That's when you first enter into what we call your human design experiment where you see whether or not your strategy and authority really work for you. Because the overarching tenant of human design is that your mind is not your authority, your body is. But we've been taught our whole lives to make mental decisions. What do you think we should do? What do you think? I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't know that was how it was going to turn out. It's all very mental. We're all very stuck in our heads. And human design shows us what our actual inner authority is and that it's the one that's supposed to be in the driver's seat. And so your experiment is about watching how that unfolds. And there's no wrong way of doing it. It's just about seeing. It's just about awareness. And so once you start seeing how actually your inner authority is creating a new path for you, you start really trusting that because you've never really trusted your mind. Your mind can override its own thoughts. All the time. All the, All time. the time. And there are conflicting thoughts happening at the same time. All the time. <laughs> All the time. 
How did I ever think it was a trustworthy source? (laughs) Because our minds are very revered in our culture and being smart is put on a very high pedestal. So human design doesn't say like, stop thinking. (laughs) First of all, not possible. Your mind is just here to be busy. You're just not here to listen to your thoughts and follow the responses of your thoughts. What we say in human design about your mind is that it's an outer authority. It's for other people. It's for sharing. It's for learning and consuming information. And it's wonderful for other people. Just like right now, I'm using my mind as an outer authority to communicate human design to you, but it's not here to make my decisions for me. I'm here as a sacral being, that's my inner authority. So this is just about what direction my energy is being pulled to. For instance, you invited me here and I said, "Uh uh-huh. That sacral was like, yep, lit up. (laughs) (laughs) Lit up, I'm lit up. (laughs) And so now I'm just here to measure whether or not that was a satisfying use of energy. It already feels like it is. So I'm excited to be here. And Sarah, you are here to go by how you feel. I'm actually wondering like how often as a child that was what was encouraged for you. Was it what you thought or how you felt that you were here to follow? Because those two things are constantly at odds with one another. So I don't know if you can speak to your experience in that, but as somebody who represents 50% of the population, you're an emotional being, you're here to go by how you feel, not what you think. And that is supposed to be the final word on your decisions. The final word. I love that. Yeah. Well, as an emotional projector, I'm just going to speak to the emotional part of it because take projector or not, authority, right? Is that the authority? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Since I have found out that I am an emotional being, the number one rule that I've heard is to take at least 24 hours before making a decision, before saying yes to an invitation, before saying yes to an offer or whatever it is. And that has been the single biggest, most amazing tool to have in my arsenal to take a breath, take a pause and really sleep on it. My husband's from Mexico and in Mexico, they have a saying, talk to your pillow about it over the overnight. (laughs) And so he'll be like, Oh, I got to go talk to my pillow. And I'm like, that should be the emotional like banner (laughs) headline. Just go talk to your pillow about it (laughs) because it, it really makes a difference. And recently I've been in situations where I needed to make a decision in the moment. Like sometimes it's a conversation and sometimes it's I'll give the example. I was recently on a flight going from California to New York and a little kid was sitting (laughs) in a row behind me in a middle seat. And he was like, Hey, do you mind switching with me for a window seat? I want to sit with my siblings. And I took a half beat. I tried to slow down and I didn't slow down enough. And so I let him have the seat and I regretted it the entire six hour plane flight (laughs) squeezed between two other individuals. (laughs) While the kid that took my seat just watched videos the whole time, never talked to his siblings. And I was just like, you could have done that in my seat. (laughs) There was no need for me to do this. But I didn't take that extra second, millisecond, or even 30 seconds 
to respond. And in that moment, I was like, ah, the emotional authority. Like I wanted to, for him to like have that moment of connection with his siblings, right? I wanted to be able to give that to him in that moment. But then what really happened was I was just resentful the entire six hour flight and then bled into the weekend because I was like, how did I do that? (laughs) So it's interesting, like that moment of slowing down cannot can be taken into like smaller decisions as well. Can I speak a little bit more in depth about that story? Please. So um, yes, you have an emotional authority talking to your pillow. Love that as an analogy for, yes, taking at least 24 hours with a decision and also with bigger decisions, giving yourself plenty of time and space for emotional clarity about it. For you specifically in that moment, you have the channel of community, which is all about the bargain in your chart, the 4037. In fact, it's your sun earth. So for you, you know, it is all about the bargain. So that was a bad bargain, right? Like very bad bargain. Not only, not only did you get squished between two people, but you, you didn't even actually have the good feeling of being able to watch this kid interact with his siblings. It was like kind of a worthless <laughs> trade in that sense. Totally. And so whenever I talk to clients about having the channel of the bargain, they feel that deeply because that resentment of not feeling like they're ever getting equal compensation in life is a way to sort of measure whether a decision is correct for you or not. And so you say that you regretted this decision for the whole six hours that you were sitting on that flight. But in a way, it's like that wasn't a wrong decision because you could see why it was incorrect for you. Instead of just sitting there stewing and you're like, blah, it's like, oh, this is an interesting lesson This is an interesting way to see how even just taking an extra minute with a decision could really smooth things out and feel better. Totally. Yeah. It's almost like I've got – I have a a natural reaction now when someone's like, so do you want to come to this event in the future or do you want this job? Like my natural response is I am so honored. I'm so interested and I need time to think about this and and it has nothing to do with you. But in those split decisions, I don't have that dialogue ready to go, you know? So it's like, oh, I need a minute. I just need to sit in that chair first before I decide if I can give it to you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. How about for for you? I would love to hear how this trusting that sacral energy or response has played out in your life. Well, first of all, one of the biggest gifts – about understanding having sacral authority is that I process things best in a yes or no format. Whenever something has been presented to me since I've understood this about myself, I can feel the frustration in my body when I'm asked open-ended questions. And so I am able to request that whatever that question was be put in a yes or no format, it immediately relaxes me. It immediately makes my body ready to receive the question. And actually what has transpired in terms of my relationships is 
I've taught a lot of people in my life to ask me, can I ask you a question? As the first yes and no question, because that's just checking in. Like, are is your energy available to receive this question at this moment? And I've heard myself go, mm-mm. And I just honor that. Like, it could change 10 minutes from now, but at this exact moment, I'm not available to receive any questions or requests or whatever. And it has cleaned up the communication and the frustration within communication, the hurt, the taking things personally. My sacral just said, "Uh uh-uh, but that doesn't mean I don't love you. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I just am not in a place where I can have this conversation right now. And so when I get asked that question and it is an uh uh-huh, and I am able to have a dialogue about a decision that needs to be made, it is so much more satisfying, which is my signature. I'm here to be satisfied. It's a much more satisfying exchange between myself and whoever it is. Most frequently, it's my mom. She's a projector and she's here to guide just like you are. And her first question to me now is, can I ask you a question instead of jumping right in and, you know, without an invitation and giving me all of her insights about whatever it is that I'm doing or whatever anybody is doing. It's been ongoing. I'm not saying that like from the first moment it was a flawless, completely changed atmosphere in my life and my relationships. And that's why it feels like Having an ongoing interaction with human design is just a constant reminder for people. It's just a reinforcement of like, oh, yeah, I'm here to get things in a yes or no format. So open-ended questions are really frustrating. I remember the first time that I noticed when it was very clear to me when I said, "Uh uh-huh, to something, but my mind was going, what are you, crazy? you can't do that. But I heard myself go, "Uh uh-huh. And so I followed that response. I followed that energy. And especially since I'm a manifesting generator, I have to be very aware of where I'm putting that energy because it is really powerful when I direct energy in any given direction. And if it starts feeling resistance and if it starts feeling hard, I get really, really run down. My energy is just sapped. I have nothing to give in that sense to whatever it is that I am feeling the resistance with. So I can trust that I'm on the right track when my energy is just flowing through me. It's just a flow. Everything is it's like residual. It's like, I don't need any coffee. I don't, I don't even need to stop. I have endless energy to give to something. And because I didn't understand the difference between satisfaction and frustration before I understood this system, I didn't really actually understand how frustrated I was, just like as a general theme. You know, and now I can measure that frustration and see like, oh, that was like 
10% frustrating, but 90% really satisfying. That's like a big thumbs up. Damn. Can you talk just for the manifesting generators out there, the generators out there, can you talk about that line between frustration and being lit up? It's interesting too, because the not self theme of a generator which is first and foremost what a manifesting generator is, is we are generators first, so frustration is our not-self theme. And then we have manifesting capacity. The not-self theme of a manifester is anger. So there is that line between satisfaction and frustration, but it can also cross over into anger. Wow. So I know that once I've hit anger, like... Ooh, <laughs> I've We've like gone south. <laughs> mayday, mayday. <laughs> but then this is the interesting thing. So if you've crossed from frustration into anger as a manifesting generator, the hardest thing to do in that moment or in that situation is to just stop because your mind wants to fix it. Your mind wants to go... I know how we can make this better. We can turn it around. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But as a generator, you're here to wait to respond. So when you're in this state of frustration and anger, your mind wants to pull you out of it somehow, but you can't think your way out of it. You really just have to stop and breathe and trust, self-trust. Mm-hmm. There's that word. <laughs> and man, can that be challenging because your mind gets real loud in those moments, in the moments where you're experiencing discomfort of any kind. When you're experiencing satisfaction and you're chugging along, your mind's like, this is fine. All right. I guess you got this for the moment. But the moment that you are experiencing frustration, anger, sadness, whatever it is, your mind is like, I have so many things. I have so many thoughts. How do we get out of this? Well, and I wonder if you experience that when you're experiencing like the low end of your emotional wave. You know, it's like the wave just goes up and down. There's nothing to blame. There are no reasons for that mechanical up and down. But I imagine that when you're in the low, that's when your mind gets really loud about what it is you need to do in order to get out of it. Yeah. And and it really likes to wallow for a little bit, I will say too. It's like, oh, so self-flagellating. And like, how did we get here? And of course we're here. And then it's like, oh, you should have done this. You should have done this. You know, my mind is this beautiful, powerful thing. (laughs) And then I would say at the very, very bottom, that's when the the like, try this, try this, try this, try this, like the action oriented thinking comes along. It's fascinating. And it's so crazy to me that only half the population goes through this because it's so visceral to me. Well, as an open emotional person, I experience emotionality. In fact, the openness there takes it in amplified and distorted. So when you go low, I go lower. And I always interpreted that as being me, that it was who I am. And so that was a huge permission given. Oh, those emotions don't belong to you. They're here to move through you. It feels like you. It feels very real. 
It feels very much a part of who I am. But actually, when I allow myself to just be still in my own aura, there is no emotionality. It's very sensitive. I say I'm sensitive, not emotional. There's a distinction. So as somebody who is emotionally defined like yourself, you can never experience what it's like to be open emotional, but I can experience in a way what it feels like to be emotional, whether it's being with a person who is emotionally defined or whether it's a transit that is defining me emotionally. And there's been a lot of activity in the planetary movements recently that has been hooking a lot of people up that aren't naturally emotionally defined. And it's been tough. (laughs) (laughs) Has this been in September? Are we talking that recent? Yes, but also just ongoing for the last like two years, really. I've actually been hooked up for the last almost two years now. So I've been experiencing a lot of ups and downs in that sense. But also when an emotional transit is moving through, it's an amazing opportunity to like find deeper depth in things, even though it's been uncomfortable at times, very uncomfortable at times. (laughs) When I come out the other end of these like wave cycles, I feel almost reborn and regenerated because I have had like so much insight during that time, which is really what the low end of the wave is for. So that's that's a lot of what I try to communicate to people when I'm first telling them about being emotionally defined is that we've been taught that high is good and low is bad. And so part of the struggle as an emotional being is when you're low, trying to push the wave back up and resisting that low because it's considered bad. And not only that, but your mind has a lot to say about why you're low, even though there are no reasons for it. So if you can accept and trust that that low is here to show you something, that you're here to get value from that low, that you're here to be creative in that low time, and that eventually when the wave comes back up, because it always does, that's when you're here to share your insights or your art or whatever it is that came from being in that low space, if we could all honor each other for these processes that we go through, how magical could that be in terms of cooperation? If you're in partnership with somebody, how how much less personal can you take it when they're in the low? Yes. It's like, oh, it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I can take my remove myself entirely. And not take it personally. And also honor when I'm in a low because exactly what you said, I learn I learn so much when I'm in a low. And the gifts that I am given during those times are what make the highs so exceptional. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. 
If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. But that doesn't mean I've stopped judging myself for when I'm in a low (laughs) or buy into the thinking that I'll never have another low again. Yeah, that's been a lesson for me with these emotional transits that are moving through. Oh, that low is over. I'll never be low again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done. It's like, we're never done. (laughs) Some are lower than others. (laughs) But it's almost like talking about it in a way like that doesn't have this stigma around it. Like you, the word depression has so much stigma around it in our culture. And sometimes I feel this last one especially was very depression-like and I've never used that word before. And I was I, going back, I was like, oh, I've never used that word before, probably because I was ashamed of using that word before. So the fact that we're, you know, as a society judging that or not honoring that is it's um, we're doing ourselves a little bit of a disservice, I think. I like to use the term I've been having a hard time lately or I've just needed a lot of space lately. And that goes hand in hand with being a hermit as well, recognizing when I like really just need to be in my own space it's like pouring into your own cup, right? You can't really be there for other people or be fully present with what you're doing if you are in this low end space. And so, you know, I love what you said about the language around it, because even using the term depressed means something's wrong and it's got to be fixed where we're here to recognize that we're perfect as we are. There's nothing to fix in terms of these emotional cycles that we go through. I guess disclaimer here, I totally do recognize that there are people who have a chemical imbalance and for some, you know, medication has been a godsend. So I'm I'm not discounting that. I just really love that there are so many things about human design that explain the bigger picture of what we're going through. Because I don't know what I would have done or like how I would have interpreted these enormous emotional swings that I was experiencing over the last two years if I didn't know that Neptune was in gate 22, hooking up my gate 12, so that I was going through this moody, 
high end, low end, maybe depression, maybe ecstasy at some times. And if I if I didn't know that, if I didn't have that to look at, if I didn't have this lens, even at the lowest lows, I was just so grateful that I knew what was going on. That's amazing. It's like a nice little, um, I don't know, like a cradle. <laughs> well, and, and these are the types of things that come from sort of ongoing interactions with human design and why I I love sort of being on this journey with people and slowly revealing all of the layers that are available through the system. Because, you know, the first experience that you have with it, where you recognize your authority, your profile, your strategy for making decisions, these are all incredibly useful life tools that are gifts that keep on giving. And then, you know, the transits are another layer. The nutritional aspect is another layer. The way that you communicate with other people is another layer and then so on and so forth. And then you really start seeing the bigger picture of who you are and how you fit into your life how you're interacting with it. Variable is a really big part of understanding yourself. The the little arrows at the top of Mm -hmm. the chart. Mm -hmm. It's very much about how you see the world, how you take it in, how you're here to learn, how you're here to be in your environments, like whether your body is active or passive. These are the things that start to unfold for you and you see it as this holistic view of who you are. And that takes time. That How takes much time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a schedule. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's actually a great question because I remember hearing, now that you've entered into human design, there's a seven-year deconditioning process. And I was like, ain't nobody got seven years. What are you talking about? <laughs> And my mind immediately went, oh, no, I can do it faster. Of course. I did, too. Of course. Give me a challenge. I will will rise to it. Right. I mean, we both have ego definitions, so we have that willpower that goes like, "Mm, really? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to do faster and better. (laughs) Or you, like, get a year in and you're like, oh, I'm there. I'm already there. I'm done. Because you know what? it It's that like initial hit and then instantaneously things start to shift little by little, step by step. One correct decision leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And you start changing. You start feeling different on the inside. Eventually it starts showing on the outside too. Like your physiology just shifts. And then new people who meet you, they start commenting like, oh, you're just so laid back or your, your presence is, is different than what I'm used to. The world starts reflecting back to you that things are shifting inside of you. This isn't a diet program by any stretch of the imagination. I'm like, not at all, but like, 
I basically shed 25 pounds without trying. I just, it's not that I felt like I needed to lose that weight, but it was, it was like, it was synonymously happening with shedding many layers of guilt and shame. And, um, you know, there were a lot of tears involved in this process, but every time something new shattered for me, I started to understand myself better. Can I give you an example? Please. So um, I have channel 2145 in the chart, which is, it's called the channel of money, but it's really about rulership. And a lot of it has to do with control. I remember talking about this channel. It's the only channel that's conscious in my chart. So it's like mostly who I think I am. And it's a manifesting channel. So it's very pushy in a lot of ways. And I can see now that the way that I was trying to bulldoze through my life initiating things instead of waiting to respond as the generator that I am meant to be was creating a lot of resistance and pain and resentment and anger. But I remember my teacher saying to me one day when we were talking about this, well, it's because in any given situation, you just take over. And it was like, record scratch. And it was like, all of a sudden, everything that wasn't working, like flashed in front of my eyes in that moment. And like something inside me just broke because it, it helped me to understand my relationships. It helped me to understand not that I had gone wrong. Like I had my trial and error phase of life, which is its own thing that I have to reckon with here on the roof. We, you and I were both six lines on the roof trying to make sense out of our first 30 years. As if I could ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have 20 years to do it. So Ooh, that's enough time. Plenty of time. <laughs> I'm late. <laughs> well, you're perfectly on time. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but it was that taking over, like just that one sentence was such an epiphany for me. And this is like, you know, a year and a half into my process. And now whenever I'm confronted with a situation where I feel like I want to take over, when I feel that energy of wanting to take over, that's when I know that that's my manifesting chemistry trying to come out. And it is a way for me to sort of sit back and say, okay, wait to respond. Wait to see if this person wants you to take this on instead of initiating that taking on. And it is not a perfect practice by any stretch of the imagination. I, st I still try to initiate. I still try to take over certain situations. I still have a way to measure whether or not that works for me. But it's far less painful now. And it's also, I'm starting to be able to catch myself before I go down that road. One of the things I've actually learned, 
probably most recently is to like channel that inward instead of outwardly trying to manifest things. It's for in here, not out there. What an like a what a beautiful cracking open and recognizing your own kind of response mechanisms. And what a gift to give yourself, like, (laughs) instead of, like, spreading it out everywhere, like, you can give it to yourself. That's so beautiful. Right. And so that one of the things that I learned from that incident, if you will, is you have absolutely no control over when those things are going to hit you when that next coconut is going to land on your head. And that's why it's seven years of deconditioning. Because even, you know, three months ago, I felt like a different person than I am today. Then I'll be three months from now because I constantly have this lens and this chart to return back to. I look at my chart every single day. It doesn't end. It never ceases to be fascinating. (laughs) And probably will never cease after the seven years, like even after then there's still going to be some coconuts. I hope anyway, I really hope so for your benefit. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, and it's not even just about me. It's about seeing how the system works for other people. I've interviewed a lot of people who are in their experiment from all ages, genders, areas of expertise, To hear them explain parts of their design, like how I just explained my interpretation of this 2145 channel. I've interviewed other people with this channel, and it's very interesting what they have to say about it. So it's not even just, oh, everyone has the same, you know, interpretation within themselves. I saw it as taking over. I've heard other people say that they felt extremely responsible for every situation in their life. It has so many different ways of being interpreted because of all of the other things about your chart. Your profile is a lens, you know, your type is a lens, all of these things. You just blew my mind. It's like, we're all unique in the chart and then within the chart we're all unique because of our own interpretation based on our own everything in the chart. <laughs> well, it's, it's the conditioning factor, right? Mm-hmm. That too. Yeah. If a man or a woman have the almost the exact same chart, you know, that's two very different experiences of life that are happening right there. So just that conditioning factor alone not to mention who your parents are, not to mention where in the world you grew up. That's why it's so cool, you know, listening to people from different countries explain how they interpret things because they learned human design in a different language. So how do the keynotes appear for them? And what I love so much about interviewing people is that I'm able to see how all of these different things play out in real life. And then when I talk to my clients about it, I can use these as examples for them. And a lot of the time, even if it's not chemistry that I personally have in my chart, I can share a story with them and it makes it so relatable. Then it becomes very obvious, 
oh yeah, uh-huh. I, I've totally had that same experience in a different context, but I understand what you're saying now. It's magical. I love that. I, uh, I just love this stuff. It's so interesting. So I'm curious, talk to us about people that come to human design and want big changes in their life. Talk to me about like the end result of human design. Human design can't really promise you anything because of what we were just saying about how unique we all are and how we're all here to align within ourselves. What alignment means for any given person is different. And then what path unfolds for you based on this alignment is different for everyone. No two people that I've ever talked to have ever had the exact same experience of deconditioning. What I have seen as a pattern is things start to appear that are very unexpected in your life. In fact, some people call them miracles because it just, your mind couldn't think of it. It just appeared to you. But that's the whole thing. Life is movement. So once you start moving in a direction of less resistance, based on trusting your own inner authority and not following what your mind tells you to do, then these small miracles have the opportunity to actually reach you because you're not out initiating and trying to make your life happen. <laughs> what we were talking about in general uh, with the seven-year process that sounds like a really long time. And so in the beginning, I was like, well, human design is not a vending machine. You don't put money in and get, you know, satisfaction out. It's, it's a lifelong journey that's here to unfold for you. And what unfolds is so unexpected. You can't sell it. You can't sell human design. It's like, what do I get if I do human design? I don't know. What kind of a marketing campaign is that? <laughs> I don't know, but it's fun. <laughs> so there's that leap of faith. There's a lot you can listen to out there in the world about what it means to be a generator, what this profile means, what that profile means. But until you have somebody who can holistically look at your chart and read all of these different things to you uh, that's specifically about you, it may not resonate with you. You may not really understand what the big deal is because it's all just a theory until it's your chart, until it's your specific chemistry. It's just a mental exercise like anything else. I love that. And also I think deprogramming isn't easy. Just because I am, I, I should be responding to an invitation doesn't mean that's easy <laughs> or that the crazy brain, my thoughts and my crazy brain aren't going to get all wired up like while that's happening. Oh yeah. If anything, your mind just gets louder because it's like, wait, but I've been running the show this whole time. So what do you mean? You're just going to listen to that. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the moment where it's like ah! <laughs> are we doing this <laughs> but what also feels true is that you don't need another reason to beat yourself up so i just heard you say you should 
wait for the invitation. But in human design, if we move the should and the could and the would and the ought to, then it's just about seeing and awareness. So it's not that you should wait for an invitation. It's more, can you see what happens if you don't? And you're right, deprogramming takes a long time. That's why whenever I see that a client is like under 30, I'm like, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing. (laughs) And what was great actually is I I did a reading for a 14 year old. And what was so fascinating about that is when you're reading to an adult, they're like, yes, oh my God. And I've been going against that my whole life or like, oh my God, I've felt that my whole life. Da, da, da. And the 14 year old is just like, yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, this is one cool kid. <laughs> well, because at 14, you may still be so much more in touch with who you genuinely are. What conditioning means is that you add all of these layers on top of yourself based on experiences that you have, you know, that's like, it's like a lot of gunk in your system, in your consciousness of like your mind deciding things about you um, or deciding that that thing about you is wrong or bad. But a 14 year old hasn't had those experiences yet. So for me, there's nothing more validating than a a teenager being like yes and (laughs) or when I speak to a mom about their child and I'm guiding how to treat them correctly as themselves like the yes and no questions like how differently would I have experienced life if I had had that from the very beginning um And how I can see that that's actually made a huge difference for some parents, like immediately. The nutritional aspect makes a huge difference a lot of the time with young children. And that in and of itself is like an invaluable gift, not just to your kid, but to the parent. (laughs) There's so many practical ways to approach the system, the path that it leads you down, that is different for everyone. Oh my God, I love this. So what then, if, you know, if we are kind of going through all of this learning and deconditioning all on our own unique journey, what is kind of the future that human design is staying about us? So within the human design community, we talk about the year 2027 a lot. And the reason for this is that according to the system, there is a universal background frequency that we all experience. And right now, that frequency is shifting. And 2027 marks the actual date of the shift. But like anything, it's not like a shutting of the door. It's like slowly closing. And what we've all been experiencing for the past couple hundred years is what we call the cross of planning, which is very strategic, very organized, very much about systems and industry. And it's 
helped us develop this incredible global marketplace that we've all grown accustomed to and felt like was going to be the thing forever. And now that the shift is nearer and nearer, it's starting to fall apart in a way. And I feel like a lot of people see this as a good thing, that it's less about the totality and more about us as individuals. It's less about serving the totality and more about taking care of ourselves as individuals. A very good example of that, for instance, is our parents' generation usually chose a career and then got a job and then had that job until they retired. And they were taken care of by that job. It enabled them to buy a house and a car and feed their families and all of that stuff. And we can see that that's no longer the case. It's no longer how things work. So our lives are taking a very different turn. And so it's not about going backwards and trying to recreate that because that was a time and a place and a way. And now it's time in the future for us as individuals to be able to sustain ourselves and create a sustainable way of life for ourselves. Again, we don't know what that future looks like because it's not here yet. But that's why human design is a tool for the future because if you're here to be an individual, this system shows you how. If you're here to trust yourself, the system shows you how. And those who are ready for the future can welcome it can be excited about it, can trust that they'll be taken care of. And a lot of people, as you can see, are holding on to how it used to be, trying to go backwards. Um, and there's nothing wrong or bad about wanting to go backwards or holding on. It's just uncomfortable. And so a lot of people are experiencing a discomfort and they don't know why they're so uncomfortable. They don't know why it's so scary. And that's why I keep saying there's so much more to know. To put it into a bigger picture context for you, for example, one of the biggest gifts that I got from human design is to understand our life cycle as human beings. We had for a very long time a 35-year average life cycle as humans, and now our average life cycle is about 84 years, but we're still stuck in that old pattern of thinking that we need to have everything figured out by the time we're 30, 35, and so that's why a lot of people around that age are having a really hard time because, and I guess we can call them millennials. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just name you us <laughs> i mean guilty yeah that's one of the reasons why that generation is having such a hard time and that's not to say that other generations aren't it's just i'm speaking to my generation because i understand that discomfort of not understanding why things can't work the way that they used to and why we feel like we need to have it all figured out right now. This is a 
big permission given in a lot of ways, like, oh, we're not supposed to have everything figured out and we're not going backwards anyway. So it's just about trusting yourself in the future that doesn't exist yet. And it takes 50 years to grow up anyway. Thank you. <laughs> I've always said 50 is the new 30. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a, that's like a joke now, but it's actually like, that's what human design says, is that it takes 50 years of collected memory and experience to be a fully formed adult. So if you're not 50, you're not an adult yet. I just feel so relieved. I feel so relieved. <laughs> And that's the type of relief that I remember feeling for the first time when I got this information. But the older I get, the more I understand to put the bigger perspective out there in an initial capacity, maybe like a bit too much to handle. But this is sort of the all-encompassing knowledge that is available through the system, which is what makes me love it so much. And I, I used to have this joke that I must have missed that day of school when they explained how everything works. <laughs> that one, the one day, it was just the one, one day. day. And you were out that sick. One day. I, I had a cold. <sighs> I stayed home. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you did. Otherwise, human design wouldn't have made any sense to you. <laughs> yeah. So, so now the the joke is, I I made up for that day through the system. These sort of overarching themes are not just about looking at yourself. It's about like looking at the world around you as well. But it's not about initiating it either, even though it's I'm very enthusiastic about it. Oh, my God. I love that. I feel like in order to get there, so much discomfort has to happen. This year that we, and a half that we've been through is almost the like maybe not first initi initiation, but a part of the initiation towards that path because we've all spent so much time alone and we've had to really get acquainted with our oneness. And it's really interesting too, because Shaman Dirk has this whole, wrote a book about how we're going through an eight year hell cycle, really. <laughs> and a lot of things, a lot of systems that we know of are going to be taken apart and really questioned. And so that really, that eight year journey started for him with COVID. And so I'm really curious to see how this is all going to pan out. And I love that it's a door kind of closing because <laughs> it's not going to be like on January 7th, 2027, we're all going to be different people. Like I feel like the journey to get there is going to be the more interesting thing about it. First of all, the the exact date is February 15th, 2027. <laughs> we do have a date. <gasps> Listen up. February 15th, you said? Day after Valentine's Day, we will all wake up different people. <laughs> I love it. Well, actually, what it says about what's going to happen is that actually there's going to be a part of the chart that changes. So we're not going to be different because we were all born be before 
February 15th, 2027. But any anybody born after that will have a different chart. And so the things that our charts consider to be important, a lot of tradition is going to fall away eventually as there will be more people born after than before. So it's just by 2050, it's going to be a very different world than we're experiencing right now. But like, who can actually say what that is going to be? Like, this isn't a sci-fi movie. (laughs) Maybe there will be flying cars. Who knows? (laughs) Oh my God, I can't wait. (laughs) You heard it here first, people. (laughs) We are becoming more aware as a species, as a consciousness. The emotional system that's going to become more prevalent as an awareness in the world is what's happening. So you can see that there's a lot of emotions running hot in the world today. And you can see it from the way that people are polarized by certain issues and things like that. And so you're seeing things unravel like you were just talking about. So it really is about forging a new path forward and not really looking backwards. And that can only be done by individuals. I love that. It can only be done by individuals. So much to look forward to. I'm excited and scared, obviously, because I'm human. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's normal. We're all scared to survive. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that'll never, never go away, I think. Shoshi, this conversation has been amazing. Is there anything else that you want to add about human design in general for our listeners? I have a teacher who isn't a human design teacher, but she had a workshop called How to Love Yourself When You Hate Yourself. (laughs) Great title. And she has since retired that workshop. But somebody asked her about it in like an open forum. And she said, when you are doubtful of yourself, when you're hating on yourself, when you're in that low end, it's about investing in knowing who you are. Because odds are you are hating the wrong things about yourself. Odds are it's a misunderstanding. And she said in that moment, human design is an investment in really deeply knowing yourself so that you're not misunderstanding anything. And so you can give yourself that permission that those are the great things about you. Odds are those are your superpower and you just don't know how to see it yet. And I loved that. It's it really truly like defined for me what this is all about. That thing about myself that I was really resenting was this like taking over energy that I have and understanding how it's actually like my greatest gift. But um, I heard this line once, power without wisdom is chaos. So we all live in this chaos within ourselves because we don't know exactly how our powers are here to work for us. 
And so we turn that in on ourselves. And that's where a lot of doubt and self-loathing comes from. So how to love yourself when you hate yourself. When you hate yourself. <laughs> a human design chart. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so beautiful. Can you share with listeners how they can follow along with what you're up to? So I have my, of course, social media, HD by Z. I post a lot of my own journey on my Instagram, but also ways in which human design can help you and all of the workshops that I do are posted on there. So that's a great way to follow along. I also have a website, which gives you a little bit more of an overview of what working with me is about. And soon to come, retreats. Yay! I can't wait. What Share, what is your website? Can you share that with us? Yes, hdbyz.com. So Joji has an amazing gift for everyone. Do you want to tell us about it? Sure, yeah. So for the month of October, using code LITAF20 for sessions with me or LITAFP for any of the coaching packages that you might be interested in, gets you 20% off. And, you know, if you have any more questions about me or how this works or anything really, you can email me at hello at hdbyz.com. Or if you just want your free chart, there's a free chart button on the website and you can get your own chart and be even more confused. I don't (laughs) (laughs) More confused, have more information, all the things. I love it. And I will include a link in the show notes to all of those resources for everyone as well. Thank you for that. I'm so excited. Really excited. Awesome. Ah, Shoji, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has just been an amazing conversation. I'm like taking away so many different things for my own human design journey. That's all that I want. And truly, it feels so aligned for me to be sharing this information. So thank you for inviting me here and giving me that opportunity. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the Lit AF community, join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit. Lit AF. And I hope to see you back here next week.